0: Welcome back, guys, to the Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. I'm Tim. I'm actually accompanied by Matt Chester at FF Mad Jester this week. Jake's got some internet issues, so I'm hosting. And uh, before we dive in this week, I actually wanted to see if we can get some comments below. I want to find out who your most owned rookies are, and who do you think is going to be the most surprising in terms of increased production compared to expectation so leave that in the comments we're going to roll the intro is he the hearts of a lot of fantasy players
1: i like it a lot honestly i like i'm, I'm in for death
0: taxes and the 2022 wide receiver class.
1: i like what you were saying skyler no player is completely untouchable
0: I think you guys really i had not i have not really heard this yet i listened a lot of pods, and i have not heard this yet
1: well done gentlemen i'm really impressed
0: like i said we're we're uh joined this week by Matt Chester. So Matt, you're part of the Indroppables. What can you tell us about the Um,
1: It's a fun place to be. We're very active and uh, always interactive. I'm, I'm way too heavy on Twitter. You know, if I'm standing in line, I'm probably on Twitter. If I'm dr- stuck in traffic, I'm probably on Twitter. So, uh, you know, just a, a lot of engagement, a lot of uh, question answering and uh, theory talk. So it's a, it's a fun crew because they kind of focus on that more than player takes. Um, always happy to jump on a show and I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I love th- talking theory. It's probably my favorite part about fantasy. Me too, absolutely. Who's over undervalued, but if you can teach a little bit about how to run a team for a little bit longer and have more deep understanding about you know the values of players and things like that, I think it's uh, more valuable. So I appreciate you coming on today and we'll, we'll jump right into it. So... Today in our, in our theory discussion section, I wanted to talk about the waiver wire and taxi squads and how to best manage those because we're coming off of rookie drafts. And I think that the, this time, at, at this time, it's uh, pretty valuable information, the best ways to attack it and kind of understand how we want to utilize all of our roster spots. So the first thing I want to talk about is really understanding your your league setup. What's the depth of your rosters? How many taxi squads do you have? Does your fab reset? Are you are you fab or are you waiver wire order? All those things kind of matter. So, um, the first thing talking about is going to be the waiver wire and kind of setting up priorities. If you're looking for rookies or if you're looking for vets, most likely it's going to be rookie heavy at this point in the year. And I think that kind of identifying the higher upside players or the players that fell into good good positions could be really good targets to have, maybe even quarterbacks, depending on how your roster is set up, because like if we're looking at like a Clayton tune, he might actually start this year. So he might be a guy you might want to run out and get, if you have that opportunity. Do you have any thoughts on the, the waiver wire process?
1: Uh, I think what you said is really important about knowing your league settings, because each one is different and it can get really confusing really quickly. Uh, I'm in 20 leagues now. And if I didn't, if I wasn't keeping a notebook um, to just, ha- I have to keep a league key. And that way, when I pull up a, a, a league, I can see, you know, are only rookies allowed in this because that that'll affect the way that I draft that'll affect the way that I trade draft picks. Um, you know, some of these leagues, they'll let you have a taxi player up to two years, some of them will do that. But they'll uh, they'll say, you know, you cannot change who's in the taxi once they're in there for the whole two years, it's not an offseason thing. So it's really it's really important to keep it organized and go from there because that's gonna that's gonna decide completely how you uh, set up your taxi.
0: Yeah, and I think also there's some times where you might trade back into the end of the rookie drafts just so you don't have to use FAB on certain players because you'll get first pick of the litter basically and it doesn't cost you very much because if you end up using all your FAB, which might not be a bad thing, you always can try to trade for more using, you know, picks, but sometimes people aren't interested in fourths and fifths, so it might cost you a third to get a, a significant amount of uh, FAB where you might not want to do that, but there are just different options, so... Um, so that so in, be- one, in,
1: in one league recently, I saw a Chig trade or uh, I saw tra- Chig get dropped. I don't know how people are dropping Chigos in but it happened. And uh, I think somebody used 75% of their fab on him and it doesn't refresh at the start of the season. So I really don't mind using fab at the beginning of the season, because you can always dish a player, you know, you could probably get, you probably send Chig for a third and somebody's 50% of fab to just buy back in on the season.
0: Yeah, I think that's important too. Is and you brought up a good point with uh, percentage of fab, being that every league's a little bit different. I'm in leagues that have a thousand fab. I'm in leagues that have a hundred fab, where you may be a little bit more aggressive, and the percentages may may actually change as well. Where I'm in a thousand a thousand dollar fab league, and I actually took over a rebuilder, so I've I've been courting picks and you know getting players that uh, are difference makers and moving the rest basically. So I had a lot of open roster spots, and I actually went pretty hard. I've spent about 15% of FAB on the top top three agents, and I ended up getting them pretty easily. We're in another league, it might be closer to 50 just because if it resets or the demand for that player. So kind of knowing your league is pretty important so you don't overspend FAB, but it's also just as important to get your guy because there may not be you know worthwhile players to be picking up later in the season on the waiver wire.
1: And if you spend your money on players at the beginning of the season, you're going to get to use them for the entire season. So it's not, you know, the, saving your fab, I get it. Uh, in a in, in a real life situation, I would understand a lot more. But uh, on the other hand, I do want to get these guys on the front end and whoever you pick up on the back end, you know, it's the difference between picking up James Robinson two years ago versus picking up uh, Zonovan Knight at the end of last year. Does that make sense? Oh,
0: yeah. I was a big Zonovan night truther, so I had him in a lot of places before FAB, before it even cost me FAB to get him, so I was pretty excited, and I got to sell off on some. But I didn't get a lot of uh, James Robinson, which I kind of wish I w- would have been able to do that. Um, just some guidelines that I like to use when kind of identifying players that, are, let's say rookies or non-rookies in free agency that I like to add via waivers or you know, through FAB, is that if there are options to add to my taxi squad when it comes to players that maybe the depth chart isn't super clear, even for the year after this one where, you know, you put them on the taxi squad with very little expectation of performance, but you know that like Chicago is a good example of this, like Tyler Scott, not saying Great. Tyler, that's the exact guy that I would want to target on every single situation. But we know that most of those wide receivers aren't, aren't in line to be resigned or currently do not have a deal past next year or past this, this season going into next off season. So the, the window of opportunity may open up very large for him. So,
1: so I like, I love that. I think he's the perfect example. Um, I'd also like to throw in there maybe Keishon Bute or, uh, Puka Nakua, those type of guys. But generally I like to use my taxi for, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to use it for tight ends and quarterbacks because we don't know how they're going to be, but they will rise in value. And you shouldn't be planning on using those guys in their first year anyway.
0: Especially tight ends. I agree with you. Um, and actually that's, that was a strategy that I was looking at for a while with, uh, when I'm rebuilding is really hitting the tight ends early because if I don't expect to be in a position to compete the year after the draft, like the, the year following the draft that I'm completing, I will I might go heavy tight end later in the draft if it's uh, like a two, two tight end league or uh, it's a tight end premium league because if those guys raise in value, some of them might be worth second round picks. For example, in that same league, I, I drafted basically the top six tight ends of the rookies last year, like Bellinger. I had McBride. I had Dolchich. I have Chig. And I moved some of them. I still have I still have Chig, uh, Dolchich, and McBride. But I moved a lot of the other ones four picks because, obviously, Bellinger got you know um, a little bit replaced. But going into the offseason, we didn't know that. And being that it's a two tight end, one tight end premium, those young tight ends are at a premium. So I was able to – I think I moved like three or four of them. So I was pretty happy.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great way to go. I mean, another way that I like to look at taxi squads is, uh, is this player somebody that I can see moving for a second? And if moving him for a second is something that I can see in the range of outcomes, that's a nice uh, Way to stash that value and never actually have to use it. Uh, like you said, Bellinger. If you got all of the Bellingers, let's say this year you get uh, all of the Tucker Crafts and all of the uh, Will Mallory's, If you're like really, really just stocking up on tight ends, uh, they got a lot of physically gifted ones this year. We don't know how they're going to go, but you could definitely see all these late round guys. You know, scooping them all up at the uh, you know end of the third, beginning of the fourth and just selling them for seconds at any time you can move a pick 36 for a random second next year it's always going to be a win
0: yeah or even if you end up getting a like a, a, this year hainer you get hainer really late and someone wants him and offers you a third you can take that pretty early too and you don't have to even worry about if he ends up producing um that's actually something else too you were talking about targeting specific players that's something i'm i'm interested in doing usually uh, after every rookie draft i usually fall in love with one or two guys and i kind of try to get them all on my roster not saying i don't diversify a little bit but i'll have you know specific guys that i'll kind of lean into and i think it's i'm not saying that either strategy is better or worse but it's my preference because if i hit on that guy i have him everywhere i understand that if he doesn't hit he's worthless but that's you're talking about fifth round or free agent rookies. it's a free chip yeah it's exactly. a free play so there is some diversification, but I do, find that, I do find that I find more success when there's one guy that I target and kind of work from there.
1: I agree. So the, the, the people that I've I found that I've ended up with the most in this uh, rookie draft season, <clears throat> uh, Charbonnet is usually, now he's falling into the beginning of the second round. Uh, Tank Bigsby is sometimes falling into the third round. And Izzy Abanikanda is falling into the fourth round. And all those, uh, I, I'll just, I'll scoop them up there every single time.
0: Yeah, Izzy's funny because I love Izzy. I haven't actually gotten a lot of him because I just had haven't had picks in those areas where he's been picked. But it's it's he could easily be the backup running back on this team next year, like going into this season. He might look like RB4 on the on the depth chart right now. No,
1: you know he's beating out your boy Zonovan Knight. You know he's just a younger, sexier, faster Zonovan Knight.
0: I'm just saying all these rookies have to earn it. But going into the season, it could easily be that he's the running back two in that team.
1: Mm-hmm. Behind, behind a recovering breeze Hall, right? Yeah.
0: And speaking about that, too, I tend to avoid as much as possible putting running backs on my taxi because of the um, – there's a there's a few reasons. One, you want the ability for them to go into your lineup if possible. And you want the most control of the – or control of the most number of assets that you possibly can. So, if you're taking a guy off your taxi squad, you're having to drop someone or someone went to IR. But you end up losing a player on your taxi squad. So then you're basically down a player compared to other people with full taxi squads, which means you just have control of less assets. Not saying that those assets are ever going to appreciate, but you never know. And you want that opportunity to maximize that option, uh, the opportunity for that to happen. Yeah.
1: I love it, and you don't. You you want them as appreciating assets more than you want them as usable assets. Like you're saying uh, about not wanting to put running backs there. I think the perfect person to talk about with that is last year's Deion Jackson. If you have him on your taxi squad, you missed out on like three fifteen point games that you know when they were coming. So he's the last person that I want on my taxi squad this year. Let's say it's like I don't want Jerome Ford on my taxi squad because he's the he's the backup right behind Nick Chubb. I don't want uh, Chase Brown on my taxi squad because he's right behind uh mixing and there's there's just guys that that's not a good use of your taxi squad the taxi squad it's an incubator and if you break it open you're losing value just driving it off the lot
0: yeah so a couple last things so the, the first one is how do you like either player types or positions do you like to basically arrange your bench and your taxi when it comes to early off-season free agents or rookies Are there specific uh, like a number of running backs that you want or um, a number of quarterbacks you want to add even if you have quarterbacks is there is there some sort of um, formula that you work with
1: sure Um, I want one more wide receiver that I'm comfortable starting then I can fit in all of my wide receiver uh, and flex spots I want one more tight end that I feel very good about Uh, one more than I'm required to start. And uh, I want one more quarterback that I'm able to start. If I'm if I'm feel like I'm competing, I need uh, enough wide receivers to deal with an injury or two. And I need every one off player or two or like two, two position player like the super flexes. I just don't feel comfortable competing. If I lose one person, and it's going to send me scrambling. Now, the only exception is running back because there are so many, you know, Chase Brown's and Jerome Ford's and Alexander Madison's and we don't know what's going to happen with that. So I don't, I don't think that you really need to uh, judge your ability to contend on your running backs. But I do feel like depth is very necessary in uh, replacement situations because people get injured constantly. And you need those top end, uh, you need those those single positions to be filled out in order to compete with your the rest of your uh, league.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting year because usually I'm very much against having a, like a certain level, a certain threshold where I just don't. I want to avoid wide receivers below that threshold because of the fact that they are basically useless and they're basically valueless in a lot of in a lot of scenarios. This all um, comes off though of knowing your starting lineup, your roster size, things like that. Because if you have a start five wide receiver, you're probably going to go a little bit deeper on wide receiver versus a start two or three wide receiver. But that being said, this year, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of unknown and a lot of people that are most likely going to age out like an Adam Thielen. He may have value this year, but he probably won't have much value going the years after that or even this year. This year, he fall completely off where, yeah, you might have him on your roster or you might have a little bit of a younger guy like Tank Dell. Tank Dell, another guy who, whenever he gets drafted, the opposing managers immediately start sending you offers. It doesn't matter what round he's, he's drafted in. It can be 405, and you'll immediately get an offer.
1: It's so funny that you picked that number because that's exactly where I got him in the first uh, in the first rookie draft that I did. And within, you know, there's the first wave of rookie drafts like that takes the first 10 days after the actual draft. Um, his ADP rose from, like, 80 rookie 80 to being like rookie 40 and people i think that the reason that you're getting bombed with offers as soon as you take him is because everybody thinks he's going to be there at 405 so if you take him at 308 people say man i come on like let me pay the 405 for him and you're like no dude absolutely not that's what are you doing
0: yeah and a lot of scenarios most most rookie drafts you're going to be trying to target running backs in those those areas but there just weren't the running backs this year to support. So we're kind of leaning back into wide receiver, which may not be the worst thing because it may just be an ebb and flow situation where this year's wide receivers, next year's running backs. We just don't know at this point, just based on the health of all the players on rosters and you know, there's their specific roles on each team will probably change a lot in the next uh, calendar year or so. So just, just kind of an interesting thing. So usually I try to avoid just, Benching a bunch of wide receivers that I'm never going to use. But and I'll
1: let's also rest. not forget that he was uh d- that he was requested by C.J. Stroud, and they listened. And uh he went. He's a second round wide receiver. And anytime you can get a second round wide receiver in the fourth round of a rookie draft, you just have to do it. It doesn't matter. He's going oh, no. uh, sometimes a full round later than Kayshawn Booty, who was a fifth round, sixth round wide receiver.
0: And I agree with you. I just mean in terms of just fourth round fourth-round wide receivers or fifth-round wide receivers in basically a vacuum. You're probably usually trying to avoid those guys just because they're not as valuable. It's like a
1: 2% upside. hit rate. It's absurd. Exactly.
0: So it's just a very interesting scenario because there weren't running, running backs to backfill. And then the last thing I want to talk about real quick is the, um, the situation where your roster's too full to add people on waivers or, or taxi because you've had too many draft picks. Now, there's a scenario in which you could cut guys beforehand to get to that – to get to that number. But um, I kind of have an approach that if I'm like seven guys over and my league doesn't call for me to cut down, if I'm not going to be able to cut down seven guys anyway, I'm going to hold them throughout the off season until I get much closer to the season where, yes, I lose access to the, to the waiver wire unless I drop guys, but I have access to many more players whose values can change where, yes, if you're, if you're one or two over and you, you can, you can negotiate that to get down then you probably do that. But if you're seven, eight, nine players over, which I've seen in leagues, I might hold on a little bit longer because it's just more assets that I have control over until I cut them. Yes, I can't set my lineup, but I'm not setting my lineup in August.
1: It, But it's it's also... Well, you're not setting your lineup in May either. And it's, it is hard to look at a team that you want to just put on your wall and frame, but you can't set the lineup. It's very, very frustrating. But there's a hot stove situation that I remember from two years ago, where I snatched up. Uh, Dalton Schultz did okay, filling in for Blake Jarwin uh, at the towards the end of the year, but everybody said everybody's excited about Jarwin coming back and being the guy. And I was able to get Dal- Dalton Schultz, I think in, a lot, in the 30th round of a startup. And I just wanted to clear roster space. So I think I sold uh, so because I wanted to set my lineup in May dumb uh and i need to and so i sold uh dalton schultz before his breakout year and i think uh the guy had saquon so i gave him matt breeder or something like that whoever was right behind Saquon at the time and i gave him those two for a fourth just because i wanted to set my lineup and any time that i feel like doing that now i just need to remind myself you might be getting rid of dalton schultz just to roster bait don't do that don't do it it's just not a good move
0: something that's that's i've seen before too is that if you get too ingrained in whatever your objective is and it's you know june july you make bad moves i'm not saying you can't go i need to go make i need to go trade for a star quarterback or whatever like that's fine but more or less if you're just like i gotta cut down i gotta get to this number you usually end up losing those trades Mm -hmm. yeah they're low value trades a lot of the time but there's you know you're not thinking as clearly because your main objective is I got to do this. I got to do X, Y, Z. I don't care how I have to do it. I'm, I'm going to get it done. And
1: mm-hmm. and it, and it is the ulterior out. motives and you're going to lose the value uh, trade of the trade because, you know, you just want to look at your roster and salivate and that's not going to win you anything except for, you know, five months of enjoying looking at it. But it's, it's just a bad, it's just an irresponsible thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't mind anything, going into August with seven extra players.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add before we, we jump to your guy today?
1: No, I think we covered it. I think, I think that's it.
0: Okay. All right, Matt, let's hear who you have that uh, you think KTC got wrong this week.
1: Oh man. Uh, I don't remember exactly where he's going, but I can look it up right now. Kenneth Walker is going uh, in the mid fourth of startups. KTC has him at uh, number 42. Overall, they have him at RB eight and I'm not confident. My, I, guess my, I guess one of my main mantras and, and styles of playing is not to flag plant and just to let other people flag plant and uh, collect the field. You know, I'll pretty much take the field anytime that I can over any single player. But the one that screams uh, flag plant to me is Kenneth Walker. He's RB8 overall. He's going ahead in ADP. He's going ahead of Tua. In Superflex, he's going ahead of Cooper Cup. He's going ahead of Josh Jacobs, who I would rather have straight up over Kenneth Walker. Uh, he's going over Ramondre Stevenson. He's going over Najee Harris. He's going over Devonte Adams, Dallas Goddard, uh, Hawkinson, Eckler. I would rather have over Kenneth Walker. Uh, so he did. He Eckler did just get. Uh, he just he did get to that extension today, didn't he? I
0: I've heard something about it, but I didn't confirm the like, the dollars or the years.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna plan on pretty much any running back more than a year away. Uh, we've just seen too many things happen. Uh, like Kenneth Walker and Travis ATN. And uh, I don't remember who the third guy was, but they, they're all getting this year, you know, we thought we were gonna have top five dynasty assets. And then they all got uh, they all got Damian pierced you know, we were expecting Damian Pierce to get replaced in the draft. Damian Pierce didn't get Damian Pierce. So we can't really, uh, prognosticate who's going to get replaced and who's not. So it's almost silly to say, well, this guy's situation isn't going to change for the next five years. So running back, it is almost year to year versus a two to three year window. Some, de- some people do a five year window. That's crazy. But, uh, you know, you know, who's going at RB 18, Kenneth Walker's going at RB eight overall, Derek Henry's going at RB 18 overall. That's just, that's that that disparity is pure profit, pure profit. And I would do that 10 times out of 10 because you'll probably get, you know, probably throw Ken Walker and get back, uh, I don't know, Jordan Addison and, or, you know, just a, a, a late first added on top of Derrick Henry to get rid of Ken, Ken Walker. I would do that every single time without I question.
0: Like, I like the extra first, I agree. I So earlier in the offseason we did some mock drafts and we had Walker going in the third round and, I questioned it at that point in time. So I completely understand what you're saying about the fourth round. Because I actually, my comment during that that discussion was trade back into the fourth round and pick someone else besides Kenneth Walker and let someone else do it because you'll still make the better decision. I agree just because him being, our he was like RB3 earlier this offseason. And the issue that I've had, and I've I've communicated this with um, other shows about running backs, and the expectation of running backs when you get into that type of rank is that they're going to hit an X number of points, a ceiling and a floor. Kenneth Walker doesn't do that. Yes. He's had big games and yes, he, he does break off long runs, but there are a lot of times in which he, the total output of the game is just not enough where he was being ranked. And I'd much rather go try to find someone with a higher ceiling and a better floor than Walker at this point. I understand that. He did drop around, so it, it is becoming more palatable to take him. But uh, to me, there's just better situations, better opportunities. And like, if you were to get Derrick Henry on a first for Walker, I understand you're losing a lot of years, but we also don't know how long Henry's going to play for one, and we also have no idea what the output comparison is going to be like. When you can look at what Henry has done, and it's been better basically every year, besides when he's yeah, he's an,
1: he's an outlier. You can't. Murray you can't plug him into the regular formula. Mm-hmm. And you, you said, you know, I don't know how many years left we'll have with uh Derrick Henry putting out his output. I don't know how many years we're going to have left of Kenneth Walker putting out his output. No, exactly. uh, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's got Charbonnet. Who's going to be doing, he's a Charbonnet is a more well-rounded back. He's probably going to be taking a lot of the passing down work, which is good, which is what sets, uh, you know, passing down, passing work is the Konami code for running backs. And uh, like you said, his break, Kenneth Walker's breakaway run rate was really good, but his positive yardage per per uh, rush attempt is not that great. And if you want consistency, I have a feeling that Pete Carroll might start leaning towards Charbonnet in different types of situations in more high value touches. And uh, I can't buy in on Ken Walker for those reasons.
0: Yeah, and then and Charbonnet could end up not being good, right? But like we just don't know at this point. We so just don't know. No, there's no way we can we can prognosticate. No, I understand too as well. Like these moves that we're we're presenting to you to our audience today is that most likely if you're if you're rebuilding, you're not trading for Derek Henry. But getting the additional first on top could give you enough leverage to do it. But most likely you're going to lean youth. But that doesn't mean you still couldn't make. Uh, look at making a move to move Kenneth Walker for multiple assets to help you either rebuild or give you higher upside at multiple positions, things like that. So that'd be something I'd be looking at.
1: Uh, so he's, so Kenneth Walker is RB eight. And if you don't want to do the Henry plus a first move, uh, if you feel like Javante Williams might, might come back by the end of the season, he's a nice way. He's RB 15 right now. I don't completely, uh, you know i don't know how you feel about that but there's just there's other pivots if you are still wanting to be a rebuilder and maybe shed points then that De- henry wouldn't fit your roster uh there's just so many ways to pivot off ken walker that i'm happy to to dive into it and look at how i want to do it because i do want to do it
0: i agree and it ends up being that Derek henry is my rb8 not kenneth walker yeah buddy okay i like it i'm going to transition now over to uh player number two and i'm actually going with odell beckham this week as my buy now, oh, that's so I gross. I don't think that this is this is a, like, a super high-level play. I'm not saying he's going to be Odell that he was before because we don't know what it looks like coming back from just the injuries that he's had. But I will say this. In his last year of performance with the Rams, he played 14 games in the regular season. In seven of those, he went double digits. So he has shown that there is there is some decent flex upside with him, as well as when he hit the playoffs, he didn't score less than 13. And he had a over twenty three, so there there is some ceiling when he is targeted. There, uh, basically, Lamar demanded him to for him to kind of resign as like a show of faith.
1: Oh, that's so, so funny! And he got eighteen million dollars. Yeah, he had a crazy much, contract.
0: Wait, way too much money. But the the fact that he only costs you a third round pick, the upside with Odell is much better than most third round picks that you're going to get. And this. For KTC, I understand that leagues are going to be different and the hype machines probably already started running. There's just there's certain situations I, I don't like buying players and that's after like news has come out because like price is always higher and the player mm-hmm. hasn't even changed. But for this, if you can get them for a third, I understand that some, uh, some manager is going to ask for a second or a second plus and that's just the market. So in leagues that you can do this, I think paying the third is almost nothing.
1: It's like a, said, one heuristic that I like is buy rumors, sell news. Does that make sense so like you you've got the, the the conjecture that you know he could be a, a wide receiver too surprisingly and just piss everybody in the leagues off yep. um but you don't buy him after the news you sell
0: him after the news you're lack, lacking substantiation is when you're buying him because then you know people aren't as as sold or bought in but like um, just a couple other things. I think that he has a pretty relatively high ceiling if he's going to get usage. This offense, we don't know what it's going to look like with the new offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of contributing factors that offer you the opportunity to still buy at a discount. Because if he goes out first couple weeks and he goes over double digits, it's going to be a second round, second round plus before you can trade for him and I think doing it now, making him your wide receiver five or six on your team, making him your second or third flex, I think that's a really cheap way to do that, to fill roster spot, and actually have someone that's going to contribute. And as well, even if he only plays, like, let's say eight games, because he gets hurt again, the eight games he plays are most likely going to be pretty productive. So it's not like you gave up all this, all this value to go get a player that, oh, he got hurt halfway through the year. Yes, no, we don't want our players getting hurt. But, if he's in your lineup, when he's in your lineup and he's producing, are you really going to complain if he ends up getting hurt that, oh, I paid a third-round pick to support my lineup for half the season? I'm not sure if that's even going to be uh, any sort of element or reason for complaint.
1: Right. It's it's the uh, it's the reliability factor of Rashad Penny, where if he's hel- if he's healthy, it's fine to start him. But you also know which 75% of the games you're definitely not going to have to start him. So it's uh, there, there's, there is some comfort and clarity.
0: I think as well is that you can look to even maybe you don't want to pay a third, but maybe you have some young guys that are wide receiver threes or fours on teams that are just never going to increase in value because they're just buried. Um, it so, might be, so let me ask you,
1: would you rather 305 spent on Kayshaun Booty or would you rather 305 spent on Odell Beckham?
0: It really is going to depend on the roster because I think Booty has a very interesting market, but that doesn't mean it's the same market in your league. I'm not sure of booty ceiling. He was basically one of the guys that kind of took off my board before the draft.
1: Oh, and interesting. I,
0: I ended up acquiring some picks or some, some shares of him, but I paid like three hundred nine, three ten, you know, three twelve, basically. So it was towards the back end of the third round. So basically fourth round picks, but like just a, a list of guys that are going around Beckham. In, in addition to that third round pick that I would look at making moves for like Zay Jones, Rashid Rashid Shaheed, Isaiah Hodgins, Josh Palmer, Singletary, Gainwell, and Foreman—those are all guys that are relatively close to um, Odell Beckham in KTC valuation. And even if you ended up having to throw one of these guys in the fourth-round pick, you know that's, you're moving that's, roster cloggers for a guy with upside.
1: That's exactly what I was going to go with, and I was gonna I was gonna follow with this: uh, if you do tank take Tank Dell at three ten, and you start all of a sudden getting all of a sudden start getting all kinds of interest, um, would you move? tank dell for say odell beckham and a three four swap you know uh get a get a third on top to hedge on beckham and give up tank dell for it just because
0: i think it's proper value because if you're taking guy in the fourth round and you can get a third round pick for him plus a player i don't think that's terrible and if you trade two fourths most of the time you're not getting a third round pick so you're basically getting a free odell in that situation the only pushback that I would have, and we did a, Sky and I did a charity um, pod this, this um, last weekend with the Fancy Wild Card. And we talked about Houston. And my feeling on Tank Dell is either he's going to be pretty successful in the slot or he's going to be a one-trick pony. Because if defenders are able to shade towards his leverage or the areas in which he has leverage, it's going to be very difficult for him to be a productive wide receiver. But if he can shake guys and use T.J. Stroud's very accurate arm, get up the seam, things like that, you're going to see a pretty good PPR player. So at the end of the day, that's a risk appetite situation. Do you want to take the guaranteed improved third-round pick versus your fourth-round pick and take a shot at Odell? Or do you think that the rookie could perform kind of at, at, you know, flex levels, double-digit points at at some point or even kind of consistently week-to-week and have that longevity? For me, there's a lot of situations because like he, I don't think Tank Dell falls into that category of, you know, wide receiver three, wide receiver fours on team. I think he might be, he could be the two or the three. I understand that that's not really that great of an improvement, but once again, this Houston team could be completely different coming into the season and we just don't know. So I think it's a fair trade. I kind of like the improvement up to the third, like just based on draft capital alone, like you're, you're you're removing risk immediately and getting better draft capital the next year. It really depends on, you know, your roster space, how big your rosters are, how big your starting lineups are and the need to fulfill that, that lineup piece.
1: Speaking of Houston, uh, it's been really fun getting Stroud at 106 fairly regularly. That's something I did not expect pre-draft.
0: I got him in a couple leagues and I, I was the first league I actually drafted for the season. I got Stroud. I 105 or 106, and I was so happy because I needed a third quarterback. I had just moved Deshaun Watson away for a pretty good return, and I have Justin Herbert, and I have Mac Jones. So I was like, you know, it would be nice just to have a third quarterback, but I was going to take whatever BPA, whatever player fell to me, and it was just, for me, it was joyous to go and get myself some Stroud. Yeah,
1: watching you, you, met you touched on his accuracy. Do you remember some of the throws he was making at Ohio State last year? Oh, I do. It was, it was, uh... It was like soul sellingly accurate, just unbelievable.
0: Stroud's been my QB one for this class for almost, I want to say, two two and a half years. So I've been even even okay.
1: Did you did you shift that after the draft?
0: Not really. No. Cool. I mean, I like the other quarterbacks. I don't. I don't really believe in Anthony Richardson, but I've never had a player that I have less belief in that I want to see succeed more than Anthony Richardson. Cool. Like, I want to see it. I just, I'm not sure I'm going to, it's going to happen. But with that being said, though, we're going to, this is where we're going to cut it off for the week. Um, definitely want to plug some, some things, our discord, one of the greatest places. I think we're, I think we're approaching, Was it like 600 members now or something like that? It could be less, but I know that it's pretty popping in there. There are so many channels, so many things, uh, discussion points going on at all points in time and. Everyone's a resource in that in that Discord, and it's really nice to uh, have such a lively community. So you guys should definitely join us. You can definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm Nubs Two Ns Two Bs. Uh, Matt at FF Matt Jester.
1: Mad uh, Jester, like a crazy yeah. con.
0: Yeah, mad. So if there's anything that you'd like to uh, to plug,
1: um, nope, just check us out. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter. Ch- uh, I'm I'm working with the at the Undroppables and uh, at FCF. Uh, dynasty. So uh, I'm I'm way too active for my own good on Twitter. I love talking theory. I could just do it all all day long. And I'm so sad that this is such a short show Timmy. me. is my first show with you. It's my fourth <laughs> show with uh, JWB. But uh, I can't wait to, to you know, play with you again on these uh, YouTube streets.
0: Yeah, you're definitely becoming a fan favorite of the JWB crew. Cool. So make sure you join uh, underdog and use our code JWB. You get an extra $100. Uh, I'm sorry. Deposit bonus where it matches your deposit. But uh, on that note, we're going to say see you next week.
1: Adios. Thanks, guys.